hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 500. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Number 500. 500 the big 500. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. Technically, it's 501, but uh, I won't get into that. This, this week on the show, we'll be taking a look at the Zone of Interest, which is available now on VOD platforms. We're also going to be going over some of what we've been watching on the watch list and new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, if you like what you hear, consider giving us a review on iTunes. That'd be great. Uh, new Save by the 90s should be dropping very soon. It is recorded. I'm just in the edit right now. We're doing college films. We're going to be talking about higher learning, uh, glory days, goodwill hunting, and reality bites. So stay tuned for that. Let's go ahead and talk about the zone of interest. Uh, we're just noticing this is rated PG-13. That's interesting. Uh, this is directed by Jonathan Glazer. I have a synopsis here. Auschwitz Commandant Rudolf Haas and his wife Hedwig strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden beside the camp. Uh, Kevin, we'll start it off with you. What were your initial impressions of the zone of interest? The zone of interest. I'm not sure how I really feel about this movie too much. Uh, uh, one part of me is kind of finds it you know what it strives to do i think it does relatively well but then there's another part of me that just doesn't quite understand the the amount of like praise for this movie because i just also kind of find it fine i think it's fine i can kind of see the praise i i thought it was more than just fine i i really liked this movie a lot um I think that had I seen it before the end of the year, this probably would have gone on my top 10. Uh, I don't know where it would have landed on the list, but uh, I was quite taken aback by this movie. It's just, it's just one that like stuck with me. Like I found myself just kind of sitting and like just processing it after, like during the credits. So I was just like kind of, stuck in my seat like just thinking about everything that i just saw and i think that it's a, just a really fascinating movie and i think that it that, that it does a lot of really thing uh, uh it does a lot of things that i really like um visuals wise like i really loved pretty much every scene of this movie i loved all of the kind of static shots and i loved the dolly shots in it I love the overhead shots that they would employ. Um, it's like super wide angle, almost like fisheye kind of overhead shots. I loved that. I loved the kind of infrared, like night vision scenes too. I thought it was, I thought all of it looked gorgeous. Loved it. Loved how it looked. It did not. I didn't like any of it. Well, I wouldn't say that I didn't like it. I just, I didn't like it, and I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. Like, it's competently made. Like, you know, there's, there's, they set up the shots well to a certain extent. 
blocking's good. It looks like a professionally made movie. The only thing I found interesting was the infrared, like night vision, kind of doing the, you know, um, what could you say, like the, the opposite end of what everything else is in mm. color. Yeah, like I kind of, I kind of like that because that was the first, especially the first time that it showed up. Because I was like, okay, we're finally doing something interesting here. Here we go. But I felt, I, I don't know, I felt like I could have used more of that. Or at least something more along those lines, you know what I mean? In the spirit of that, I sh- I certainly could have used more, more of that girl's story. Uh, I f- I felt like that was a little bit lacking. I definitely could have used more of that. But uh, as far as the regular cinematography goes, I I really liked it. Um, they did. I I read that. Um, actually, I think it was a video that I saw. It was like a behind the scenes video. They none of the crew were present during shooting. So they would actually, they would have the cameras mounted in different positions and they would also hide the cameras so that it was only the actors in every scene. And I thought that that was kind of interesting because they wanted it to feel real for the, for the actors. They wanted it to feel as like organic and, close to reality as possible. Yeah, I can see that. Because it, it definitely did feel that way. Especially with some of the cutting, you know, when he's, like, walking throughout the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, you, yeah. you guys just got cameras set up everywhere. Yeah. Just cut, cut, cut. I like that. Um, I, I like the... Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting that a movie like this is, is rated PG-13, because to me, it was very disturbing. Uh, I I was very uh, I felt very uneasy during this movie and, and just it, it's intentional obviously where it shows the you know kind of juxtaposition between what's happening like feet away from where these people live and sort of the little like utopia that they're creating on their property and how they just are ignoring the you know, atrocities that are happening right over the wall, like right there. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the vines will grow and they'll just cover everything. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah. The vines will just, you know, once, once the gardeners get those vines going, it'll, it'll be good. It'll, it'll be, it'll, it'll be fine. I felt like she should have been after the war. I felt like she should have been, uh, I know she didn't do anything, but I, I still feel like she should have been arrested and jailed. I, I kind of felt like all of them should have been. Oh, with the, yeah, of course. Without a doubt. Rudolph Haas uh, was n- he, notorious for an, admitting gleefully that he was responsible for killing two and a half million people. So, you know, he was, yeah. Yeah, he, he was I, a horrible I, piece of shit. That's the thing that I do find interesting in this movie is that approach where it's not necessarily the, there's always that line of like the banality of evil or whatever, but this isn't even that, like, this isn't like the banality of it. This is like him. And because they don't show anything, we just know what it is. This is just like him as like a middle management of like a industrial factory. Yeah. Where where he's factory is, 
burning people alive. Yeah, I mean, it's his job to make sure the factories are running efficiently and under under cost, and so he's responsible for making sure that you know they they get the right ovens and uh it just leads them towards like a, a certain way of limit living mm-hmm. that his wife is just like i'm not giving this up and then even when he like finds out that he's gonna be running the whole thing they're gonna name the operation after him he calls home and she's just like i don't really care i want to go to sleep like good for you and your cute little job but i'm going to bed by. and he's just like so like such a workaholic that he's just like i every time i see people i'm just thinking of how i'm gonna gas all of them yeah that was an interesting scene when when they were in the he was in the party and he was like well i couldn't really couldn't really focus on having fun the whole time i was just thinking about how how i would go about gassing all of the people in this room yeah just just so so crazy now the thing is you never see you never directly see any of the atrocities taking place here. And I think that that was a really good choice. I think that that makes everything that happens in this movie more impactful. You can see, you know, the smoke billowing up. You can see the ash coming down. You can see like hints about, you can hear, you can hear like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the crazy thing. Like, you know, they're sitting outside, they're sunbathing. They're having a good time in the little pool and everything, but you can like hear people being shot, screams, uh, the the constant roar of the the crematorium, and it's just uh, it's such a almost surreal experience to to see that, and also that scene when the camera's just like focused on his face, and you can and you can like just see the smoke and all like the screams and everything. And it doesn't doesn't pan away. It just stays on his face. The end of this, uh, I'm not going to like spoil anything. I don't think there's really any way to spoil a movie like this. But it almost reminded me of the act of killing. Do you remember the end of the act of killing when I think it, they they were doing like the final interview with the guy and he was just like dry heaving the whole time. Mm. Do you remember that? Vaguely. And it was like such a powerful way to end the movie where they were on like a rooftop or something. And it was like, finally, it was almost like finally after all of these years, this guy realized that he like murdered thousands and thousands of people. And like, it was just all catching up to him. He's just standing there like dry heaving and something similar happens in this movie. And I thought that it was, Interesting, and I almost wonder if there was some sort of inspiration that happened there. There is, but I, there has to be, I think. Uh, but, but second of all, like, I just think that's kind of bullshit. <laughs> because I don't think he was, like, I don't think he had that. I mean, he did, I guess, in, like, one of his last things that he wrote about being in, like, the Polish prison or whatever. I guess he kind of came to that realization, but that could also just be that bullshit cop out of him, like going back to the church and to like getting communion or whatever to like save his soul. Some bullshit, but I, that shit better not be true. And he should be burning forever. If that shit is, you know, real, the, the heaven and hell thing, 
but I, yeah, just, I, I just think that's kind of a cop-out bullshit like him dry you know what i mean like he didn't he didn't feel that way i from everything i read and obviously i'm not an expert on on the guy uh i think you're probably right um he didn't seem to have much remorse and even when they were like they i, I think at one point they accused him of all of the deaths that occurred in Auschwitz. And he was like, like, I didn't, uh, there was like a million and a half of them that died from sickness and starvation. I didn't, I'm not responsible for them. I'm only responsible for two and a half million. Yeah. And then there was even, there was that comment. I think he made some sort of comment where he was like, man, like we were good. We were efficient, but we weren't that efficient. And it was like, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. He seems like he was completely, unremorseful all the way up until the end when they they hanged him for being some kind of piece of shit loser fucking asshole yeah and it's it's interesting like i almost wish that they would have went i know that this isn't that movie but yeah you know how they found him because like he fled and he was under he had like a false identity and the way that they caught him was uh they pulled off his wedding ring and it had his like the inscription in the wedding ring was uh what gave him away yeah now his wife she ended up going to the united states and remarrying and she just lived out here in the states until she died yeah. Of old age. She was like 90. No, I, I mean, you know, that's, you know, Paul's thing. Like, if he was like a, a scientist or something, he could have worked for NASA or the UN instead of being home. That is true. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Should have been smarter. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah, so I, it's unfortunate. I thought for sure you were going to be into this one because uh, I, I really it, was. It, I, it, I like I'm back and forth on it. I'm back and forth on it. I don't know. Now you were a fan of uh, Under the Skin, right? Yes, I was a fan of that one. I was a fan of Sexy Beast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just. I, I guess there's me that doesn't just don't understand the aim of this. I just feel like it's different. It's it's a different kind of way to tell this story. I also liked. I liked what they did at the very end too, where they. Um, I don't want to necessarily give it away, but they do something at the end, which I thought was equally kind of powerful and interesting. I just thought it was really, just really well made. I I liked all of the, now I don't know. I didn't like, I should have looked into this because I saw pictures of the actual, of their actual house and everything. And I think that they even have home movies of the actual house and like the kids playing in the yard and stuff. And yeah. I don't know if like they just modeled this after that, or if that location is still there and they, I did notice that. Cause I saw like a, a, a picture or two from that time. And I was like, damn, like the production team. I mean, it looks exactly the same. Yeah. It looks exactly the same. Like the 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 pool with the little like shower thing and the slide, like I mean, like one to one, like they did such. If it's a recreation, they did such an amazing job. But I, and like the house too. I mean, like holy crap! I, I don't. Yeah. So I don't know. I should have probably looked it up to see like 
like how it was shot what like if it was a set if it was you know what, what it was but uh either way it looks incredible as far as like the set design and stuff keeping it close to what it really uh looked like um and i think that that was sort of the goal i think that in that interview uh jonathan glazer said he wanted to keep it as completely historically accurate as possible so he really went to sort of great lengths to make sure that everything that was on screen was as close to reality as possible. The only other thing I would add is that I did thoroughly enjoy the the Michael Levi score. Oh yeah, I was a big fan of the score too. Good stuff. I mean, it looks like I don't know. I feel like this is one of those movies that depends on how you catch me. I could be like, eh, it was, eh. And then there might be other days where you ask me, I'm like, yeah, that was a solid movie. Any day of the week you ask me, I'm going to say it was solid. And then you have yeah. another really amazing performance by Sandra uh, Hewler here, uh, who, you know, she starred in two, two of the bigger movies to come out in 2023, this and Anatomy of a Fall. So yeah. she, had, she had a hell of a year. They made all of the German women in this movie so frumpy and off-putting. But I guess maybe that's just how it was. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Fucking Nazis. They're all off-putting. Frumpy. See assholes. Fucking Nazi pieces of shit. Yeah. I need, again, I, I, need like, a, I need some sort of palate cleanser now where I play a video game or watch some other movie where Nazis are getting blasted. It's just, it does bother me, though. Like, I wonder when, like, when did she die? 1989 she died. Yeah. 1989. I would be, so this, I'm this more... fucking asshole had, like... Long, like, long happy life, you know? Long happy life. Got to see, probably got to fucking watch ALF. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know she was Wendy's watching Alf. Fucking asshole. You know she was watching Alf. Probably sitting there in her f furs that she acquired from, you know, dead Jews that were gassed. Mm-hmm. Ugh, awful. I'm, I'm more curious about the children, actually, because I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, because, like, his, he had, what, five kids or something. And mm -hmm. some of them were like super young. Uh, I mean, they're all probably they've, they're they're all probably you know dead now. But like, did they like what happened to the kids? Did they end up being little shithead Nazis too? Or I'd be curious about that because two of them were the two older boys were little Hitler youths. So I'd be curious to see what happened to them. Yeah, one died in the eighties in Australia. One died apparently. Like before 2020, somewhere around there. Mm. I don't know. It's a shame he didn't live long enough to see this movie about his dad. I'm wondering if the baby, because they had a baby. I wonder if the baby's still alive. This is all information I could easily look up, but I just don't want to do it while, <laughs> while we're on the air. Yeah. yeah all right, kids cool. Weren't, yeah. Kids weren't great either. That's one would guess. Yeah. Uh, all right, that's the zone of interest out now on VOD platforms. Uh, let's go ahead and give it a score. 
I'm obviously sitting very high on this one. I'm at like an eight and a half. Easy. Okay. Um, I say like a six and a half, seven. Okay. All right. Not too bad. Not too bad. Let's move on and talk about some of what we've been watching. Uh, I had a very light week, as in I watched one thing. Um, oh. And it was a sequel, and I didn't even realize it was a sequel. Moreover, yes. the the runtime on this movie is only forty eight minutes, so Oof. I barely didn't. I barely watched anything this week. I watched a lot of TV, um, but yeah, I just I have a bunch of movies stacked up. Yeah, but I just uh, I haven't gotten around to them yet. So hopefully next week. Hopefully next week I'll have some some more stuff to watch. I did watch our nineties movies, so you know that's you a, that's a thing. Yeah, you you were watching stuff. Yeah. Uh, so the the movie that I watched was it's called The Feast of Amrita, and it's uh, directed by Saku Sakamoto. It's a it's an anime. Um, I was for whatever reason a couple weeks ago I just was searching for uh contemporary Japanese horror movies, and this one this one popped up. Seemed in- intriguing. It's uh, it's about these three uh, high schoolers who witness a, a young woman jumping from the roof of a like a high-rise apartment complex, and they they run to see if if this girl is okay or to get help or whatever, and they find that the the high-rise complex is completely empty. There's nobody in there. It's completely vacated. They don't see the girl who jumped. And then all of a sudden they start having some really strange uh, things happen to them. And there's some strange creatures, some entities are popping up and there's some really horrific things that happen. And I don't know. Again, I didn't know that this was a sequel, uh, so I don't think that it matters too much that it's a sequel. The first one, uh, so this one came out last year. The first one came out in 2018 and is called Aragni, Sign of Vermilion. And I'm not sure. I, I don't know that it matters. I none of Nothing makes sense in this movie at all. It's like sort of this surreal cosmic horror uh, where you you can kind of follow what's happening up until a certain point and then it just gets wild and just goes completely off the rails. Now, I don't know if there's going to be more in this series where they eventually get into what the hell's happening or if this guy's just going to leave it, <laughs> leave it completely open-ended and nonsensical. I don't know. Uh, I really liked the animation. The animation was was quite good. And there were some really kind of gruesome, gory moments. Uh, but I could have used a li- just a little bit. Just a little bit more of an explanation as to what the fuck was happening in this movie. Either way, maybe a, maybe a super light recommend. Super. It's because it's only 48 minutes long. So that's, it's like, there's not a lot to it to begin with. You know, you don't... It's not requiring a big investment from you. 
And the first <clears> one, <throat> I, I, I do plan on watching the first one. That one's only 75 minutes long, so that one's a pretty breezy watch as well. But again, it's called The Feast of Amrita, and check it out. Yeah. Uh, another critically acclaimed movie from the past year, getting a lot of buzz and whatnot, that I thought was fine, and that's uh, Aki Kurosaki's The uh, Fallen Leaves mm. from last year. It's fine. Like, there's, you know, it's his style. It's what you would expect from a movie from him. And there's always this certain level of, like, soothing, just kind of, I don't know, it's just, there's something about his movies, which just, like, the, the, the atmosphere of them, the tone of them, the pace of them, they're just all kind of languid, they're mm -hmm. just kind of low-key, so there's always that aspect of it that it just, like, I never dislike them, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, the floor on his movies is always, like, a solid six, and you just go from there. And this is one of those where I was like, yeah, this is this is fine. It's kind of a, you know, Finnish rom-com. It's, you know, kind of, uh, Finland seems like a terrible place to live. <laughs> just also awful, desolate, gray. And uh, it's just a woman who's working at a supermarket. She gets busted for, like, stealing, um, like, expired food, essentially. So her and a couple other people get fired. And the guy, he's an alcoholic. And they, they kind of they meet up and things keep happening to keep them away from each other. But they keep finding each other, you know, and progressively their lives get a little bit better. And it's 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 fine. It's a fine movie. OK, there you go. Fallen Leaves. It's on movie, by the way, if you have a movie. Check it out on movie. Movie. Uh, then I watched a movie that's on Tubi, so I went from movie to Tubi, movie to Tubi. Uh, this is a Joe Diamato film by the guy that did Absurd, which I talked about last week. This is him working with uh, George Eastman again. George Eastman, six foot nine, crazy man. Wow, plays another crazy man in this movie. Mm -hmm. He's he's crazy because he was shipwrecked shipwrecked for a little bit with his family and he went fucking nuts and now he's eating everyone entire village just fucking killed all of them and ate them right can't stop him he's a madman if you're looking for this on tubi search for the grim reaper because that's what it's known as on there on letterbox it's anthropophagus i think that's what it is on is that i think that's what it is on shutter too okay I actually but just when you, I watched this did, when I, I watched this very recently, I think. Really? Uh, yeah. Let me see. Your oh, there it is. You gave it a three star. I would agree with that. Three star. Yeah. Uh, Letterbox isn't loading properly for me. Twenty twenty three, July twenty twenty three. Yeah, I yeah I, I knew that I just saw this like not too long ago. Yeah, I caught this on Shutter. Okay, so but when you watch it on Tubi. The title card of the actual film is The Savage Island. Yeah. So so many different titles to go from here. But man, this this fucking thing is pretty uh pretty disgusting in places. It's a bit of a slow burn. 
you know, at times I thought it could speed it the fuck up because there's just nothing happening. But man, some of the kills, a lot like Absurd, some of them were just, they were pretty uh, gruesome. And a hell of an ending, again, of him essentially eating himself. It's just fucking wild. I, um... And it doesn't make sense. And it's great. Yeah, I I think I was... This was part of my video nasty uh, mm-hmm. mar- marathon or whatever you would want to call it, where I tried to catch up with a bunch of the video nasties that I didn't ever that I never saw before. This one is is one of them, and it was funny because like as I'm watching it, I knew it was a video nasty going into it, right? And watching it for you know a pretty decent stretch, I'm just like, man, like how's this a video? Like nothing's happening. <laughs> And then a certain scene happens, and you're like, "Oh yeah, oh that, yeah, that alone." I get it. Yeah, yeah, it gets, uh, it's pretty intense. Fucking palms that fucker like a basketball, <laughs> and just take a chunk out of it. <laughs> he's just like, he's insatiable. He just keeps fucking eating. It's insane. Can't stop him. And the only thing they have is you shipwrecked. Like, what the fuck is wrong with George Eastman? fucking losing his mind anytime something happens god uh the only other thing that i saw that i I would mention is the long walk from night or yeah 19 2019 it's directed by maddie doe this is a laotian horror film and apparently is like the only laotian director or one of definitely like the only woman director from laos and I gotta say, I was pretty, I was pretty surprised by this. This is, it also has like little elements of like sci-fi because it takes place in the future. You have some like advanced technology in it, but nothing too crazy, and nothing that's like entirely too reliant on the on the narrative. It's just kind of like just set dressing, which was interesting. But it also turns into. It's like a ghost story for the most part. The, the vast majority of this is just a ghost story, right? It's just a, a guy who's like 50 years old and there's this there's this long road that he walks and there's a dead woman spirit that's like confined to this road. So she can walk this road with him and he like just walks the road with her, talks to her and he can like see spirits and communicate with them and stuff. And then like I don't know if it's like halfway or you know two thirds of the way into the movie, it still stays as, a, but then it becomes this like time travel movie as well, where the the spirit is able to have to take him back in time to when his mother died, and now him as a fifty year old man can he can interact and communicate with his younger self, and they kind of work together. It's just re- it was a really interesting movie. Yeah, this, I would is, this sounds really interesting. It. Yeah, it is, it is good. It, this is also on Tubi and Shudder. Luckily, there's only one title, and that's The Long Walk. There is another movie called The Long Walk that's going to be coming out, hopefully this year, by Francis Lawrence. It's like one, one that I'm kind of excited for, where... It's a dystopian near future where a hundred teen boys must embark on an annual competitive test known as the long walk, where they have to 
Maintain a speed above four miles per hour. And if you don't, they shoot you. Oh, this is the whatchamacallit too. Oh, okay, yeah. Stephen King. Oh, man. Yeah. I am in. I love that poster, the teaser poster for it too. Potentially two good films called The Long Walk. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. Actually, there could be more titles, but I haven't watched them. Okie dokie, let's take a look at what we have in uh, theaters this week. We got Problemista. Slightly interested in this. I'm interested. Interested. Yeah, I, ha- I have this on my... Uh, I had this on my most anticipated list last yep. year. Not, yep. th- not this year, but last year. Um, and I still have it on my watch list. So hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to get to see this pretty soon. Uh, we have Lost Ladies in limited release. Amelia's Children in limited release. Dune Part 2. That's the biggie. Dune Part 2. Dune Part 2. I got my tickets already. Oh, I was, I was just going to say, is that going to get you out into the theater? I, it is. Nice. It is. Nice. Going to the theater to see Dune Part 2. I'd like to, but I don't know how it's going to work with a baby. Right mm, now. Yep. Don't have a don't have a babysitter where we live yet, but yeah. I don't know. Mm. Might be able to, might be able to make it work somehow. I did find the the one movie theater that I usually go to because I haven't gone for a long time. You know, I looked up the Doom Part Two tickets. Matinee, eighteen dollars for a matinee ticket. That's uh, you know, that's that's pretty steep. It's insane to me. I said no, thank you. So what you went. Uh, Picked a different theater or what? I got yeah, I got another theater. I got a Regal. Mm. Regal backup. Okay. Gotcha. I actually don't even know like where I'm living now. I have no idea like what theaters are even around here. So that'll be that'll be something. I do plan on rewatching the first one uh, in preparation of this one. So hopefully I'll be able to get out and see it. On VOD this week. Uh, let's see, we got on starting with the twenty seventh, we got why men are clueless. We got Demise. We got The Beast. That's on the 28th. Butcher's Book 2, Raghorn, on the 29th. Raghorn. <laughs> Butcher's Book 2, Raghorn. Uh, on Friday the 1st, we have Amelia's Children. Spaceman is going to be on Netflix. So I'll, be, uh, I'll definitely be checking that one out. I'm very curious about that, the Adam Sandler film. Looks like that's pretty much it. Oh, there's some kind of Megamind movie. Megamind versus the Doom Syndicate is going to be on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Looks terrible. And then we also have My Name is Lo Kawan on Netflix. I'm not too familiar with that. On Blu-ray this week, we got Southern Comfort coming out in 4K. It's from 1981. That's a good one. Check that one out. My Little Darlings from 1980 coming out in 4K. The Horrible Dr. Hitchcock from 1962. The Tune from 1992. Contagion from 2011. Gunfight at the OK Corral from 1957. Fear and Desire from 1953. Uh, Dream Scenario from last year. Sex Mission from 1984. Wonka, uh, Blonde Death from 1984, 
Raiders of the Living Dead from 1986. Uh, the Unscarred from 2000. VHS 85. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, that's the 2022 version. Dogs Don't Wear Pants. Uh, Migration. One Man from 1977. Let's say that's it. What about Criterion's? We got one, and that's the Roaring Twenties from 1939. Cool. All right, cool. I think that that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. And if, if you could, could please consider giving us a review on iTunes. That'd be great. For Kevin Rachel, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.